From Milieu Media Group, this is Hemistry. A show for people who lead hymns and people who love hymns. We're your hosts. I'm Luke Bronner. And I'm John Hatfield. And this is episode 11, He Has Come, the Christ of God. Welcome into Hemistry. Did you say welcoming? Welcoming. Welcoming. <laughs> Welcoming. <laughs> Welcoming. Wow. So that's how we're going to start. I'm no, gonna it use, isn't. No, I'm going to use no, that. No, don't. No, that's <laughs> no, no. Welcome to Hemistry. Welcome, 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 welcome. Bienvenue. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. That's good. Broke the ice right there at the yeah. top of the show. Please don't play that. John, welcome back, man. Merry Christmas, Luke. Yeah, hey, thanks. Can we say that yet? We can. I mean, because this is our Christmas episode All right. of the show. I've been listening to Christmas music since October. Nice. Maybe? Yeah. To, I never really stopped this year. You I, just listen to the whole I'm not time. kidding. Like I, I mowed my yard. We live in Houston, Texas, one of gotta be one of the hottest cities in the country. So hot. And I mowed my yard all summer long listening to Bing Crosby Christmas songs. That's how much I love. I am one of those people that just loves Christmas year round. So I think that's the only way you survive July, probably in yeah. August is just let Bing Crosby convince you that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. Like, most people don't receive that with such, you know, whatever. whatever no, I, just... I get pretty into Christmas music, and, and while I, I did stop listening to it for a while this year, I did pick it up pretty early. And some of that has to do with our line of work and preparing for the holiday season and changing music and things I like mean, that. I mean, that's how I became the Christmas monster that I am is because I, I used to, I genuinely did not like Christmas music growing up. And then when I started leading worship and, and like at a church that observed Advent and I, I would have to start thinking about it really early on because that was such a new concept for me that just in order to be prepared, I would start in like September thinking like, okay, so what am I going to do for Advent? And and it just became part of my rhythm. And now it's, it's earlier every year to where this year I just never really stopped. What record kind of kicks off Christmas, though, for you, really? You know, it's different every year. This year, it's honestly, it's been Sufjan Stevens' uh, Silver and Gold, like a, the whole yeah, collection. All of, 84 of his, CDs. Yeah, uh, well, I've got it all on vinyl, so I bought the box set last year of his Silver and Gold, so it's 74 records. 74. It's records like 6 sides. through 11 or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember how wow. many. Wow, um, that's amazing. And I just cannot turn it off. It's I brilliant. Mean, I, I love his first six records, Christmas records, too. His, In fact, his version of... Holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. We do that one. I think is one of the most beautiful songs ever recorded. Yep. His arrangement specifically. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just that piano part. Unbelievable. Yep. We should just take a little pause and just think about how great that song is. If you don't know Sufjan Stevens' version of Holy, 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 I would encourage you seriously pause this episode. Go to sufjanstevens.bandcamp.com. Click on his. his I think you can just go Christmas to sufjan.com, but well, I don't think he has music to stream there. His website is so weird. It's the worst, yeah. It's kind of the best, though, but it's just weird. It's anyway, Sufianist. Go to his band camp, find his, his version of Holy, 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 and just sit with it for a while, because yeah. it's, a, it's a masterpiece. Yep. I love it. Anyway, that is not what this that episode is That was a digression. Yes, big time. But We're not talking about that hymn this it's week. It's got me in a really good mood, though, because it, you know we're thinking about Christmas. This is my favorite, favorite season of the year. Yeah, me too. I think it's one of those, they're so much incredible Christmas hymnody. Yeah. And there's songs that we've, you know, that are just burned into our brains from the time that we're very small. Whether you're, whether you have a 
strong church background or or not, like you interact with these hymns as a part of Western culture. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Joy to the World is like a standard. It's yeah. it's like a it's like a musical standard. It's one of the most theologically rich texts that's out there. Yeah. And so you you find these songs and and there's so much of it. And one of the things that was the most exciting for me when we started to change the format of the show was to dig into relatively unknown texts relating to such a ubiquitous celebration in our culture mm-hmm. and find some hymns, find some songs that nobody was singing. Mm-hmm. And then, like we've talked about previously, offering those songs back to the church in a new expression with these rich, theologically just gorgeous words and language. And so we've been curating this collection of hymns mm-hmm. for some time now as we started to kind of reimagine the show. And this episode is our first curated hymn. Yeah, The title of the hymn is He Has Come, the Christ of God. The hymn writer is Horatio Bonner, a Scottish hymn writer from the middle 1800s. I believe the the hymn was written in the 1860s, 1850s or 60s. And it's one of those, as you sort of read the lyrics, you're just drawn in deeper and deeper and deeper into these words. And and finding that hymn has been such a great part of my Christmas mental shift this year. But hearing it set to this music that we're going to hear was an amazing experience for me. Yeah. How did you... So you you came across this text. I remember you sent it to me. How did you come across this text? Just digging through Christmas-related internet searches. Okay. There was no... You know, I didn't find an old hymnal or anything with it in yeah. there. I was really just searching for... Um, As we were compiling our yeah. list of, of hymns, yeah. Right. Semi-obscure hymns. And, and we've been going through the church calendar, and so we've been sort of planning seasonally and since we're doing a Christmas episode, I was looking for Christmas hymns. And there's so much out there. There's so much Christmas hymn. uh, There's so many Christmas hymns that we already sing. There's just such a huge volume of them. So to find kind of an obscure thing was was a challenge. This text just blew me away. It's beautiful. It's very simple. It's six stanzas, four lines in each stanza. and just just very simple, but very profound in sort of the way it explores the incarnation, yeah, um, and and what it means for Christ to come into our world, yeah. So I was I was really excited to have found it, and when we sat down with Ryan and heard it for the first time, I just I melted. So yeah, man. So it's a gift today to to be able to sit down with our friend, a worship leader here in Houston. Ryan Delange with us. Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ryan hangs out with us. He's a part of our community of worship leaders here, and we were really excited to have you retune this hymn. Yeah, thank so you. So we're going to... Well, uh, first, we should, there should be a disclaimer here. So if you're a worship leader and you're listening to this, when you hear Ryan, you might feel like you should quit your job because no. he's so very good <laughs> at what he does. Just know that that's not his desire. That's not the Lord's desire. It's not. This is not so that anyone will, will feel... You know, less confident in, in the gifting that they have. Ryan just happens to be better particularly than talented, way better than me. Um, I'm better than the sure. universal you. Yeah, better so, than the all of us. 
so it's a gift. It's truly, it's a gift to have you on to, to retune this hymn and all the future hymns that we're going to ask you to come back and retune. <laughs> I'm, for, I'm excited. For, so. Thanks for having me again. So here is Ryan DeLange's retuning of He Has Come, the Christ of God. has come the Christ of God left for us his glad abode stooping from his throne of bliss to this darksome wilderness he has come the Prince of Peace come to To scatter with his light All the shadows of our night He the mighty king has come Making this poor earth his home Come to bear our sin's sad load, Son of David, Son of God. He has come, whose name of grace speaks deliverance to our race. Left for us his glad abode, Son of Mary. Son of God Unto us a child is born Ne'er has earth beheld a morn among all the morns of time half so glorious in its prime unto us a son is given he has come from God's own heaven bringing with him from and holy love bringing with him from above holy peace and holy love this episode of Hemistry was mixed with and sponsored in part by Alclair Audio Alclair is passionate about people and their music Their handcrafted custom and universal in-ear monitors reflect that passion to their customers. Visit alclair.com and use the discount code HEM10 to get 10% off your own in-ear monitors. Now, back to our show.
Ryan, thanks again for working on that hymn and, and putting all that effort into creating a melody that's just so beautiful for that song. As we recorded it, I was just floored listening to you sing it for the first time. Thank you. And I'm so thankful that that's a part of our, that's going to be a part of my Christmas expression for sure. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about the hymn itself. Had you heard it before? Had you read this text? Uh, I had never heard of it. Luke texted me and um, kind of had a link to the lyrics. And so initially I opened it up and read through it and thought, yeah, this is great. As a songwriter, it's writing lyrics can be frustrating for me. I don't think it's my strong suit. Um, I love singing melodies. And so anytime someone hands me uh, lyrics, especially uh, a hymn with lyrics as rich as these um it's a gift just to sit down and sing them. And so uh, initially I was just reading through it and I thought there's not a better uh, better lyrics that I've seen lately in regards to Christmas and this time of year and Advent and everything. What maybe jumped out at you lyrically right off the bat the first time that you jumped into the text? There, so there's six stanzas and in the first stanza there's this repetitive phrase throughout the song that says, He has come, the Christ of God, which is also the title, left for us his glad abode, stooping from his throne of bliss. And I began to, you know, some of these words I've heard before, but they're, I don't use them in regular language. And mm-hmm. so I began to kind of Google them and, and look up the, the dictionary meanings of these words. And when it says stooping from his throne, some of the synonyms or one of the synonyms for stooping was bowing. So there's this implied humility where you have the king of kings or, or the prince of peace, um, as it <laughs> refers to. Uh, Jesus later in the hymn, not only did he leave his perfect dwelling place, but he, the humility to enter into our darkness, to leave the place of light um, where he dwelled his throne and enter into our darkness. That I was stuck on that for a while. And really, as I kind of began to find progressions for the song and melodies, I just sang that verse over and over because uh, I was just kind of tied to it. As you've sung the song and, and worked out the melody and all of those things, what has this song come to mean to you as it's connected to Christmas and that sort of thing? You know, there's themes for Advent. It, there's this this heavy expectation with it. The truth of the scriptures is that we had a great need and that our, our Father met that need in sending His Son to dwell among us and to, to live as an example for us and ultimately to die and, and be resurrected. And so even just the expectation of, of His birth and... Um, kind of his entrance into our world, it goes hand in hand with that. And so it's a, it's a special set of lyrics for, for this time of year. I'm wishing, I'm wishing I had access to it yeah, or I had written the song before now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're mid Advent right now. I mean, we just had our first Sunday when this releases, we will be two Sundays into Advent and I guarantee I will work this into at least our Christmas Eve service. Yeah, I mean, awesome. it's just too good. Yeah. Well, I really, really love it. And for those of you who are, are just getting into the church calendar or are following church liturgical seasons for the first time, you can sing Christmas songs after Christmas Day. And so there's, you know, there's room to sing this on January 1st yeah. of this year and, and really celebrate those lyrics, He has come, the Christ of God, and, and make that a part of your Christmas and not just Advent uh, celebrations. Ryan, what's Christmas like in the Delange house? You know, it's changed. Um, you know, growing up, you know, with family, it was a it was a big celebration and really a time of of busyness. It seemed we were always traveling, and, and I miss that. I miss traveling more and seeing family. We now that I'm married and moved out of the house, it looks a little bit different. Uh, but one thing that my wife and I have 
I guess by the grace of others that that lead us in our church and um, people that we trust, uh, one thing that we've come to learn about this time is it's really a moment to pause and to kind of settle in and, 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 and camp in the moment and understand what's happening. I don't think I had paid much attention to the church calendar, you know, especially this Advent season and until maybe two years ago when I started really working in the church. And so, yeah, we've just begun to slow down during the season and really kind of study what the scripture says about this time and, and about Jesus and his arrival here and kind of what that means for us even uh, just year after year. And so, yeah, it's it's a slower season for me. I, I think I think that's a good word for, for worship leaders because for, I think for so many of us, I mean, we believe in that idea and we push our people to like slow down in this time. And while we're doing that, like we just have these crazy hectic schedules. Yeah, I mean, that's for me, time. it's like the craziest season of the year. And so just to encourage folks that like that slowing down is an intentional, it's an act of discipline. And so, man, make room for that. Let, let there mm-hmm. be time for you to just reflect in this season on, on not just on how to lead people through it, but how to walk through it yourself. I'm curious. So you've been leading worship for how long? Six years, maybe. Six years. Okay. So over the course of the last six years, what would you say have been a lesson or two that you've learned about leading people in a celebration of the incarnation in Advent and Christmas time? Well, you know, we we talk a lot about how the songs that we sing were, were giving people theology. And so the spoken word, the, the preached word is super important. Uh, I'm not saying the musical side of things is any more important, but there's something about when you when you hook a phrase melodically, uh, people walk out the door singing it. And so with the church calendar in general and, and Advent, I think it's this is actually an important time to kind of understand what the focus is during this time. So like you said, the incarnation and the arrival of Jesus. And so to choose songs that are centered on that, I think is beneficial. And also just to really be well read and studied enough to teach that to your to your people not just teaching them the song but to really um, articulate kind of what it is you're singing that's uh, something that I've been challenged with in the last year or so even um, that I'm not just a song leader but to lead worship is to uh, to inform others you know I came across a quote recently uh, I'm paraphrasing but it said that there's no authentic worship of God without a right knowledge of God and so if we're going to worship him, he's going to be most pleased uh, if we're responding to him for who he really is. And we're lucky because he's given us his word and, you know, these detailed accounts of who he is. And you can actually follow along in the word for this specific season, Advent, in the Gospels. And so I think just centering your set list to some extent on on that time, there's obviously Christmas songs and there's there's hymns like this one that directly relate to this time, and I think it's it's beneficial to choose those. I think the way that you retune the hymn also reflects your sort of understanding or the understanding that you've come into of Christmas being a slower time, a time to pause. Sure. Because there's an intimacy in the musical setting that you've created, but there's also in the... We talked about it earlier in the second, fourth, and sixth stanzas when when you feel the melody kind of lift. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, the the page I was looking at as I was writing just showed six stanzas. And so I would said earlier, I kind of hung on that first one for a while. Um, and then I started to play it as a whole song. And I don't know if it was melodically or lyrically, but I felt like the second, fourth, and sixth, there was just this 
this melodic lift almost as a response to the verses. And lyrically, that's not so much there, but there's something about, yeah, the slower tempo uh, and time signature that kind of, it's this this peaceful, slow thing, yet there's this refrain where the voices can really lift out uh, and sing, He has come, you know, and He's come to bid our sorrows cease, which that's celebratory. That's our our need being met in, in the person of Christ. And so it was an easy to me, it just seemed easy to to sing in that progression. I didn't have to move anything around. Um, it was just verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and um, it kind of flowed that way. The uh, the original text was written by Horatio Bonner in the middle 19th century. He was a Scottish free church pastor and uh, and a hymn writer who wrote over... I think like 140 hymns. Wow. There's some amazing texts out there that he wrote. But in the original publishing of the hymn, he had he had a three-volume uh, set of hymns that were published, and the original title of the hymn was just a Bethlehem hymn. But underneath the title of the hymn was a quote from Augustine, and it was in Latin because everything in the 1800s had a Latin motto attached to it. But... Um, and I'm I'm not going to speak Latin on the podcast and sound like a sound like a moron. So I'm going to let Google Translate speak Latin, which is an Augustine quote, and and in English it says "filling the world, lying in a manger." Hmm. And so with that idea in mind, and your the intimacy of your tune, but with these kind of soaring melodic shifts in the other, I think it just really speaks to that idea of. This calm, quiet intimacy, but also a, a cosmic sense of grandness yeah. that that we experience in the incarnation. So I was I was floored listening to you sing that and, and actually the melody embodying that idea without you even necessarily, you know, meaning for that yeah. to happen. I think yeah. that was just beautiful how That's that, great. how that came across. So thank you a ton for being a part of this, for contributing your voice to Christmas for all of us. Thank you for, for being willing to take a completely random and obscure hymn text and, <laughs> and put such a beautiful melody to it. We're, it was a gift, man. It we're grateful. Fun. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Ryan, thanks so much for being with us. Where can our folks find you online? I am on Instagram and Twitter as Ryan W. Delange. Perfect. Well, you guys go follow Ryan. We will for sure have him back on future episodes to retune some more hymns for us because clearly he's very gifted. So we sure appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, thank you all for having for me. Us. Thanks, Ryan. Merry Christmas. You too. Luke, when you think about Christmas, we talked during the Advent episode about sort of the distinction between Advent and Christmas. How does it shift for you as a worship leader to yeah. lead during the Christmas season, during Christmas tide versus You know it's hard because I guess I'm young enough in my just experience as a worship leader that like I'm still learning. I'm really still figuring a lot of this out. I mean, I feel like I've gotten now to where I'm I've got a little more of a handle on Advent than I used to. I've found myself over the last couple of years clinging less to the idea of waiting too long to sing about the arrival of Jesus. I mean, in principle, I, I, I fully buy into the idea of like, we should spend four weeks singing about songs of anticipation. And then once Christmas is here, we should spend, you know, the next couple of weeks worth of Sundays 
singing about his birth. But it's so hard because there's just not a ton of true Advent texts out there. And I've kind of come to the place where I think, you know, part of the way that we build that anticipation is by reflecting on the incarnation and is by singing with faith of the birth of Jesus. And so so there's not a huge distinction now between Advent and Christmas for me, other than the way that I lead people, the way that I introduce songs, the way that I write liturgies for, you know, our, our just kind of our order of worship from week to week. Uh, I'll be honest, Christmas Tide is is kind of a still a new enough concept for me that I'm not super comfortable yet in leading people for, you know, two Sundays past Christmas to still be singing what most people would think of as Christmas songs. Even though I know like liturgically it makes perfect sense. I'm just in a pretty low liturgy congregation and that's just that would feel really odd. You know, we'll probably still do Joy to the World this Sunday after Christmas, but you know, I don't know. I so I would I'd love to hear your your thoughts on it. What do you do you do you observe a twelve day Christmas? I try personally to observe a twelve day Christmas and, and here's why. I think that following the church calendar is for me, such a disruption of my psychology Mm -hmm. and the tendency that we have to kind of fall into this pattern where Christmas starts on Black Friday and goes until December 25th, and then we we shift into something else, some other season, New Year's, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's a necessary practice to embrace that full 12 days after Christmas leading up to Epiphany because of what Epiphany is, because of what Epiphany means. Yeah. And when we start to uncover these rhythms and these interconnections within the church calendar, you realize you can't just like jump in and jump out of it. Yeah. And so observing Christmas, and almost in a certain sense, especially with people in my congregation and, and the people that are around me, kind of forcing them to continue to observe Christmas because they're ready to shut it off. They're yeah. ready to they're ready to turn it off and and the way that that supports the biblical narrative and and the story that we're telling throughout the year is so important to say hang on we're not we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah. Hang on. Um, so we we introduced last month our friend Jacob Breeze who's who's just kind of a He's just a voice in both of our lives that pushes each of us to think more liturgically in yeah. really healthy ways. And so I, I want to actually cut to an interview that we did uh, last month with Jacob about what Christmas tide actually is, why it's a 12-day season, and, and he can just articulate those things far more effectively than we can. So we're going to cut now. This is, a, this is a, a clip from an interview we did last month with our friend Jacob Breeze. So the way that I always say it is, look, it's really great to participate in the church because we tell you that Christmas is so good, we don't think that it, you, know, you ought to just be done with it in a day. We think that the incarnation of the Son of God is such a big deal, we're going to take 12 days to celebrate it. That's where we get, you know, that old little, that old ditty. 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> the 12 days of Christmas. I mean, this is where it comes from. Um, the, the church has said we are going to set aside 12 feast days, and they are feasts. This is a big deal. This is a nonstop 12-day party. And I just think, you know, even at a, uh, at a church level, at a home level, like come up with ways to keep the thing going. 
you know, we put our tree up on the first day of Advent and we don't take it down until Epiphany. And we keep singing songs and we keep throwing Christmas parties. And we, <laughs> during Christmas, because Christmas lasts for 12 days, yeah. um, many times you can have two whole Sundays in your Christmas season. So keep the party going. Now, some folks will say, well, look, the logistics of it is you're not going to get anybody to come back. So what? That's not why we do this. We're doing, the, we're, we're not, we're doing this because it's Christmas. <laughs> so whoever comes, continue to throw the Christmas party. Really get a lot of use out of these wonderful Christmas hymns. This is the time, this is the season, this is the feast when we celebrate the Incarnation. God has come. The, the Orthodox tradition uses the image of the burning bush to describe Mother Mary. The burning bush was filled with God's fire but was not consumed. Hmm. And basically that's what was going on with Mother Mary. She was filled with the living God's presence, and yet it did not consume her. It did not destroy her. God was in her belly. Uh, salvation was in her womb. And Jesus enters the world. And, you know, it's our way of celebrating that God is uh, with us, right? Emmanuel, or with us is God. That's a big deal. And we should celebrate that. And I think keeping the 12 whole days is, is a way for us to uh, worship is always witness, and witness is always worship, right? So it's a way for us to continue to say, okay, have y'all ever met any of these folks that are like walking around for, during the first four weeks of December and they're huffing and puffing because they're being told happy holidays rather than Merry Christmas? Oh, yeah. Sure. I'm like, it's not Christmas. It's Advent. Quit being offended. It's not Christmas. It's Advent. So set, walk around for four weeks telling people Happy Advent. And then once the evening of December 24th come on Christmas Eve, for the next 12 days, you know, go crazy. Tell people Merry Christmas. And, you know, what I've discovered is that, like, folks will accept a Merry Christmas from you, like, two or three days after. Like, but by the time you get to the 29th, 30th definitely when you get into january and it's an for them a new year and you're still merry christmasing people will kind of cock their head at you and go what and it's an invitation oh i'm a christian i we're still celebrating we still got four more days it's a feast you know we're, we still got the good drinks out and we still got the good food out and we're throwing another party tonight because god has come and god is with us so I think there's lots of opportunities for us to help our people re-narrate what Christmas is. Because especially for us, you know, why should we go the way of the world? Why should we say, oh, Christmas is over now because it's the 26th? Oh, man. Don't you hate, like, didn't you guys remember in high school or college, you'd go to a party and just when it was getting going, your mom would say, you know, flash the lights and say, okay, boys, time for bed. Or, you know, time for everybody to go home. It's like, come on, the party is just getting started. Yeah. We were having so much fun. I'm not stopping right now. That's how I feel most of us, well, that's what most of us settle for, I think, in our local churches on Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I, I fully agree with you. And that's the, it's extremely counterintuitive to say, 
no, Christmas isn't yeah. Christmas shopping season. Right. And we have such a hard time breaking away from that, even in our churches, because that's you're right. immediately inundated with Christmas lights and Christmas decorations. Well, that's right. Like, how could we even, like the folks listening to this, how could you not just with your hymn, your song selections, but visually... Um, don't bring out the the gold and the white and the festive until Christmas. Um, keep it sparse. Keep it blue. Bring some twigs out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's so it, it, that that rubs against us the wrong way in the sense that it does. We fully expect to come to church. Yeah. The Sunday, you know, the first Sunday of Advent, and see a Christmas tree. I've heard of some people who what they'll do is in Advent they'll put their tree up and. Slowly each week they'll put like maybe after the first week then they'll put the ribbon around it, mm-hmm. and then on Christmas Eve they put the whole thing on there so that visually you know you've been used to seeing this evergreen perhaps in your worship space for four weeks, but then when you come to Christmas that thing is lit up and bright and shining and it stays that way for for twelve days. Yeah. That's that's a way to you know, kind of visually signal or for folks that a shift has yeah. occurred. Well, and really to, especially with Christmas being the first time in the in the liturgical calendar where feasts really come into yep. to play. And first big party. 12, you know, consecutive feast days. Yeah. It's, that's something that we don't, you know, isn't, isn't natural for us. And it's not. Can you speak some to where that tradition came from? Why 12 days? Well, we celebrated Epiphany long before we celebrated Christmas or Advent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's times when Advent was six weeks. There's times when it was four weeks. And again, that's the thing about it. Like, if you try to zoom in on lots of different church tradition, um, when I say traditions now in this register, I'm talking, uh, some strands of Christianity will still do a four week Advent, some will do a six week, some will do longer. The 12 is where it ended up. But the important thing is that. We started with Epiphany, and and I think that's really interesting because my suspicion is, and I could be wrong about this, but my suspicion is that most of the folks who are listening to this are English-speaking Protestants. Do you think that's probably fair? I mean, you probably don't have any data on it, but that's my suspicion. That's a a pretty good guess. Probably white dudes. English-speaking Protestant (laughs) white dudes that play acoustic guitar. (laughs) Probably a lot of whom have beards and drink craft beer. Yep. So... That's yes. and black coffee. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yes. Yeah. All so, of those things. All right. Right. So us. Um, us. Yeah. <laughs> right. So all three of us. Yeah. My sense is that most of us did not grow up celebrating Epiphany at all, and so I just think it's a really interesting thing to say. Hold on. You mean like historically speaking, the church? We were celebrating Epiphany before we celebrated Christmas. Like that almost seems like bad. <laughs> like because like I don't know what Epiphany is, and I mean it's Christmas. How could we not be celebrating this? Mm-hmm. But the deal is, we were doing Epiphany way before. So Merry Christmas to you all, and and peace and blessings, and all of the things that go along with the celebration of Christ coming into our world.
Yeah. We're, we're so thankful for all of you and, and for your continued support and participation with Hemistry in this conversation. Huge thanks to Ryan Delange yeah. for his contribution to the show. Huge thanks also to Jacob, as always, for contributing to the show. And huge thanks to you guys for, for listening. We invite you to share the show with your community of worship leaders, especially if you are a worship leader, and, and let them benefit from this really fantastic arrangement of this hymn. Invite you guys also to follow us online. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hemistry and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hemistry. You can also subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. That actually helps us out tremendously for other folks who are looking for this sort of content to find us. And so uh, thanks for doing that. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you again in a month. Peace. This episode of Hemistry was produced by Luke Bronner and John Hatfield. Artwork was designed by Heather Hale. Theme music was by Indelible Grace. You can find them online at igracemusic.com.